0: Greetings and salutations, my Greetings. sober friends. No, I'm so glad we're finally doing this. I am too. I'm so excited. Um, and I also just downloaded your other book, which Aww. I thought I had already. Yeah. To be honest, I thought it was one that I had. Um, but it's in my library, but I can't remember when I downloaded it. But I have it. So it's Yay. in my library. So that's my next to go as soon as I finish my current book. Yay. Um, Yay. So I'm very excited about it. Um, But... uh. I so I have some notes of things that I want to talk about but I don't really have like an outline necessarily uh-huh. um given who this is that we're chatting with like it feels a little bit more casual than like a but but you're also like this big time book author and I feel like I need to be professional and have like a full structured interview with you but then no. on the other hand I'm like she's just another alcoholic like me right yeah. <laughs> so totally. i don't know i i'll start with your introduction which i'm going to read directly from your <laughs> website because it's there's no way i could do it any better so our guest today is Emily Lynn Paulson who is the author of Highlight Reel Finding Honesty and Recovery Beyond the Filtered Life and Hey Hun, Sales Sisterhood, Supremacy, and Other Lies Behind Multi Level Marketing. She's the founder of Sober Mom Squad, a digital community for moms in recovery, and has given two powerful TEDx talks, both challenging the status quo of parenting, alcohol use, and feminism as we know it. Paulson has also been featured in major publications such as The Today Show, New York Times, Washington Post, The Seattle Times, Chicago Tribune. Next question with Katie Couric and the Tamron Hall Show. She resides in Central Oregon with her husband and their five children, and that can be found at emilylynnpaulson.com, which will, of course, be linked down below. With that, I welcome my co-host, Amy Farber, who will introduce herself, and then we can go.
1: Hey, Amy Farber here. I think this is my fourth podcast with the fraudcast. I am Katrina's go-to on certain topics and Absolutely. Um, this is one that I am very passionate about so I was glad to jump on and record this so happy to be here thanks excellent and Emily hello
2: <laughs> I know we've been trying to make this happen for a long time and I'm like, so
0: excited it is
2: and I feel like the longer it's gone on we have more to talk about so it's it's great
0: yeah like so many areas you know I had um come across i'd come across you on on instagram somehow and realized then that i also followed you on my other instagram like my personal one under sober mom squad i'd already been following oh, that for yeah. many many years so when i made the connection i was like oh okay so when your book came out your hey hun came out i immediately downloaded it. i think i pre-ordered it i downloaded it listened to it Im- immediately. Um, which was great, because I do all my books on Audible, and you read this. It's read by the author, so it's fantastic. It's just like hearing these great stories of your life in this fictional MLM, <laughs> which you fictionalized, um, but all of these great topics that you talked about and stuff, and then... Um, Somehow I ended up fangirling out talking to you and you agreed to come on, and do a show with us. And I was like, oh my God, most unprofessional pitch ever to come on my show. But <laughs> here you are. And then I reached out to Amy and I was like, Amy, I'm interviewing Emily Lynn Paulson on my podcast. She's like, oh my God, yes, I would love to do it. So here we yeah. are. I love and how I it comes together. Yeah. yeah,
1: here we are. The timing uh, was impeccable. Let's just say that the timing worked, was impeccable. It worked out. It worked out. I don't even know where to start because
0: you, you know your your first books about like sob- sobriety things like that. Your sober mom squad stuff came first, and then your your anti MLM crusade, which I I'm calling it that. I don't know if you have called it that, um, but I liken you to that <laughs> with this book. Um, I don't know where we want to
2: start. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good, that's a good place to start because now you just, you're going to read my first book, right? And Uh you will see how, when I wrote it, I was still very much in the MLM and you could see how I was like, once you read it, you'll be like, oh gosh, yeah, she was still really struggling. Like Mm -hmm. I had, I had kind of come to this realization that what I was doing was not okay. And yet I like was like justifying it a little bit and maybe just not even dealing with it because there's just so much to deal with when you're in early recovery. Um, But I think you'll, you'll definitely notice that when you read it. But it's funny because, you know, people are like, oh, you've written two such different books. And it's like, they're really not all that different in the sense that I was using something to fill some need. And it was like, you know, the, the drinking, obviously we know it was like my coping mechanism for all these other shit that had gone on in my life. It wasn't about the alcohol at all. And the MLM again, like I joined for the same reason why I was drinking. I joined because it was an escape. It was something outside of who I was. It could make me better than I was, whatever, all of these, these ambitious external things to try and fix myself. So they really were trying to like remedy the same problem.
0: I find, that, I find once, that, oh, go ahead, Amy. Go
1: ahead. I was going to say, and once you know, once you come to in an MLM, so I'll just preface that I was also in an MLM, not the same fictitious one that Emily was in, although we do have a bunch of mutual friends who were in that one together. I was in a different one, if definitely a worse one. And once you come to, it's really hard to square it as a sober woman, right? So, because everything we do in sobriety has to be done with honesty. Because if I'm not honest, I I risk risk everything, right? Because the minute I start lying, lying to myself, that's where it all goes south. And so once you come to in an MLM, it's really hard to square it. So I can totally see I have not yet read Emily's first book, but I have read Hey, hon, and I've never resonated with something so much in my life. It's crazy.
0: You know, I don't have the experience of having um, the MLM experience the way you ladies have, but I do have the sobriety experience. And and in case that wasn't clear, all three of us are sober, um, and have been um, for a number of years, I think Emily just hit seven years, I just hit eight years, and um, Amy just hit twelve. Right. Yep. Twelve years, right? So, um, I was fa- I found when I was reading, "Hey, Hun," the parallels in my exit from the drinking world, my exit from alcoholism, as it were, active alcoholism, as it were, um, into you know rehab and and my process through after that to getting to to where I am. I found so many parallels with Hey Hunt and your experience as you describe how how you got in it, the reasons you got in it, why you stayed, um, why you stayed despite all the anxiety and problems and and things that you were um, wearing rose colored glasses about. As it, as say, as our mutual friend Roberta Blevins would say, when you're wearing rose colored glasses, nothing's a red flag, right? Or they're or they're all but i screwed up her saying but you you ladies know yes. what i'm talking about <laughs> um, and and i don't know i i want to talk about that a little bit um is is the parallels for you is you 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 talk about it but did your experience getting sober sort of help inform your way getting through the mlm and out of it or yes. did it i mean hurt it yes no both
2: Right. Okay. <laughs> like I get some version of this question always. It's like, if you were drinking so much, would you have joined the MLM? Would, if you were, you know, if you hadn't stopped drinking, would you have quit? You know how, like, how does it, how does it inter- interact? I'm pretty sure if I was not actively drinking, I don't know that I would have joined because it required me to squash so much of my intuition, which is what I use alcohol to do. It's like, if I didn't feel comfortable doing something, I would drink and then I'd feel comfortable doing it. Right. Like sending cold messages and doing all that shit. So then by the time I got sober, I had already hit this like peak, right. I was already at the top of the pyramid. Right. So there, there was very little I could do to knock myself down at that point. It was like, everybody else was doing the work. And so in a weird way, it almost kept me roped in longer because I'm like, well, now I'm sober and I'm still successful, even though I'm not doing these things. Cause I'm like, well, can't send the cold messages. Can't do this. Can't do that. And then I'm kind of like, do, you know, I'm doing the steps and I'm doing this, this living amends and saying, Ooh, this feels gross. This feels gross. Well, they're all MLM related. And yet at the same time, the MLM is like propping me up. It's like, look at you, you're sober. Let's talk about your sobriety. And so I'm in this place where I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be being of service. Isn't this being of service? And, you know, you're dealing with all this shit that you've done over the past forever. And it's like, you know, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit, I'm a piece of shit. All this stuff I've done with my family, my marriage, my friends. And then you have this thing over here that's like, you're great. Talk about it. And it is really hard to not go to that place where I'm like, yeah, I'll talk about my sobriety. Like, however, you know, even though it's elevating this thing that I now have come to see as like kind of problematic. That was really hard to leave. And and so it's interesting that people who are like, Oh, they read the book or they hear my story and they're like, well, you should have left sooner. You should have quit sooner. And it's like, that's, that's coming from the mindset of, of someone who has never been in that situation and the cognitive dissonance with alcohol. I mean, it was years that I was questioning it before I quit. Right. It's not like I woke up one day and I'm like, well, that's not working anymore. (laughs) It was like many, 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 many rock bottom things. And that same with that MLM, even though I knew logically, gosh, this isn't working. There was still this cognitive dissonance. It's like, but I have all these friends, but I've put in all this money, but you know, it's, it's not black and white. So the parallels, like the overlap is in so many different ways there. Right. And it's the same cognitive dissonance.
1: And no one willingly joins a cult. And let's no be one. real, MLMs are cults. And that's on my Emily's- list of, of topics <laughs> to that I want to cover ladies. <laughs> so I joined an MLM. Wait, first of all, I joined an MLM, stone cold sober, very much entrenched in recovery. I did not know what I was walking into. I didn't even really know what an MLM was. I had an Instagram presence. I was already influencing in other ways. I'm like, this is easy. I didn't never made one cold call. Hey, on email, I just shared on my Instagram, people bought, you know, I could sell snow to an Eskimo and, um, I started making money really quickly, but I had no idea what I was getting into. And like Emily was saying, the love bombing, they make, Oh my gosh, you're so successful. You're so good at what you do. Why don't you train other people? They prop you up. And then I can't. But as I was reading, "Hey, hun," and I was reading. I mean, cringing at them asking you to speak. I mean, the motives behind that—that that is just so disgusting. Now, like from from a yeah. bird's eye view, but I can imagine, of course, someone asked me to speak. First of all. If someone asks you to speak, you never say no. We're, we're taught that. Um, You're always be of service. You never know who may need to hear your message. So I can imagine the push and pull of that. Or, Matt, I, probably when you were in it, you never even felt the pull. It was just mm-hmm. kind of all push. Like, yeah, this seems like yeah. a really
2: logical thing to do. Like- and the immediate response was all very positive. Like, wow, that was so inspirational. And there were people who have come to me later and said, you know what? I heard that and realized I had a problem and got help. So that all that did was make me feel justified in reinforce. In, in that. The, yes. Yeah. It reinforced that. You Lord. know what? That is a good thing. Like mm-hmm. thumbs up, even though I could have been doing that somewhere else, not in the MLM, not to these MLM people. But it, it just kept me roped in even longer.
1: It's the same well, well, thing with alcoholism. Like you don't know what you don't know. And when you're in it until you wake up or you tell, you know, they, you know, it's till they start chinking away and you're just putting two and two together and you're like, how the F did I get here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the well, same thing with well, alcoholism. Well, that's
0: kind of what I, and I'd love for you both to touch touch on this since you, you know, one of you was drinking and one of you was sober when you got into the MLM um so so different sort of thought processes might might have been behind it right like talk about a little bit about how how you like generally how people get roped in but specifically like how you did you know as a as a sober person in recovery and as someone who with a significant drinking problem mm-hmm. yeah i mean
2: for me it was i was like the target market you know mlms really prey on isolation and you know i was a stay-at-home mom Uh, They prey on people who are in like life transitions. I was done having kids and, you know, I I wanted to get back in the workforce, but didn't know how childcare would have been too expensive. So like I was the perfect target and I had a big network and I was, you know, conventionally attractive. I'm white, like all the things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, I was right there in the target demographic.
1: Yeah. And for me, I literally bought a product from another influencer off her story. I don't think she knew that she was roped into an MLM. It was the same thing. She was just like, she bought it from another influencer. And the influencer was like, hey, share it on your story. You can make money. And when you're doing that and you're already sharing your Amazon and your whatever hauls, Mm -hmm. what's one more thing? It's another stream of income. I didn't give it another thought. And then, of course, the Huns. In the upline, we're like, ooh, they looked at my Instagram. They're like, you have a pretty good following. You should share. And I was kind of like, whatever. Marty, like sharing clothes and whatever. I should do this too. It was a no-brainer. And I did not even think, I, I didn't know anything about MLMs. Let's just say I was completely uneducated. I live in Boston. Like there's no, I don't live in Utah. I am it's not a thing really here. <laughs> now the thing so everywhere, you right? Don't live in like, Utah. <laughs> I don't live in Utah. I'm not a trad wife and I'm a flaming liberal from Boston. And so it took a while for me to wake up and be like, holy crap, these people are really the absolute polar opposite of me. And, but the love bombing it takes a while. They make you feel a part of, they envelop you. They send you gifts. They're, it's crazy. They make you feel so, so special. And yeah, I think, I, you know, they, we all kind of look the same. We all have kind of blonde hair. We're all white. We all dress nice, whatever. No, I was not. I mean, they'll like give me. you exactly. whatever you
2: need, right? Exactly. If you're needing, it's like, oh, hey, you need money. Hey, you need a, uh, you know, extra stream of income. They oh, have hey, an answer for everything. Yes, they have oh, you something. unity. Yeah. And then you're yeah. in and that's whatever the, I,
0: your particular vulnerability yes. is, they're going to hone in on. It. Oh, you're a, brand a way. new mom, stay at home, military wife, your husband's deployed. Oh, here's some other military spouses you can connect with. Yeah. I was a military spouse and an alcoholic. So I spent a lot of money on you guys.
1: Mm-hmm. I was the one
0: staying up watching you guys and buying the LuLaRoe and buying the Rodan and Fields and buying <laughs> the 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 oils and things like that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Literally it, my
2: the, the influencer, like Amy you were saying, how you're like just share this link, share this link. I think with the rise of like influencer culture, it's confused people a lot mm-hmm. because what you're like, well, what is the difference? If I share this link to this thing and this link to this thing, what's the difference? And it's like what it's promoting. You know, if, if I if I put a link to some Amazon thing and then if someone buys it and I get a few cents or whatever, it's like a one-on-one transaction, right? So you don't think of the fact that, well, if I, if I put this MLM product on there, okay, I'm getting maybe this little bit but then my upline's getting that. And then their upline and their upline and actually it's the company making the most money. And that person who I've just shared link with now is screwed because they're going to get roped into some VIP program. They're going to get solicited too. They're going to get asked to join the team and all this stuff. So
1: that's the part that people don't understand about the difference. And the difference too is right. Like I had a following. I could quickly make money Mm -hmm. and I was not recruiting people. I didn't even know that by people clicking on my link that they were then getting recruited. And then my uplines soak, you know, sucking them into training and they don't have any money. And then they're told they have to spend a hundred dollars a month to then make the commission. And they had no following. And they're like, no, no, no. If you follow these steps, you will be successful. Lies, all of it lies, lies. like preying on the vulnerable. Yeah. And, no, and that's no. You said something
0: really interesting, Amy, is that that you didn't realize that these other people were also trying they're being sucked into it. Now, you're an incredibly intelligent person um, who can tie their own shoes and walk and chew gum at the same time. That kind of surprises me that you didn't recognize it as such. But then you think for a minute and you go, oh, no, that's just how insidious these companies are. You know, and if you go, you know, we don't have the time, nor are we the the. Proper, you know, area to go d- deep, deep diving into why the entire MLM pyramid scheme is a, is a, is a problem go to Roberta's show life after MLM for that. But, but it shows how insidious these, these companies are the way that they do this and, and sort of trick you into getting extra credit cards and getting extra loans and doing these things that put you into debt and all of these other ways.
2: The less informed it, you are, the better the company does.
1: 100 percent And I think it's so yeah. much why all these MLMs are going, you know, crumbling now is because like Lou come out and there are all these anti-MLMs. There was not an anti-MLM movement in 2017 when I got mm-hmm. roped in. I there was I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I had not heard one thing about it. Mm-hmm. But once you know it, you can't not know it. Yeah. And I well, think and the the biggest
2: um, you know, the the pushback. I mean, there's always lots of pushback or whatever. It's just, you hear the same thing over and over. Well, not my MLM. Well, I, this, well, that, and what I always have to say to that is like, when people say, oh, but this has been the best thing for me, I've done this, I've been successful, I've made this money. And my follow-up question is how about the people on your team? Mm. And it's crickets after that, because if you ask anyone who, who says they're successful because you can never actually believe that, right? Like, show me, show me your profit loss statement. Show me your, show me your the profit w- loss, w- nine, right? Like, yeah, the
0: losses me- that people don't talk about. They're always like, I made this and I made this and I made this. Yeah. But yeah. what about what all you spent to get there? But yeah, that's show me your 1099. It's show me crazy. where the money came from. But even
2: past that, I want you to tell me every person on your team and how they're doing. Every person you've recruited, how are they doing? Mm-hmm. And they never will, because, you know, if you look at any MLM and you look at the top leaders or whatever, there may be a few people who come in and out, but it's the same people always. And that was the, the thing finally, like after convention, after convention, after convention, I'm like, okay, yay, I made it here. So other people can. And then I'm like, wait a minute, it's still me. And these other people, wait a minute, still me, wait, still me. It's like, nobody knew was elevating. It's like, this can't be. It can't be everyone out in the audience,
0: these tens of thousands of people just are lazy. That can't be right. That aren't making the money. Mm-hmm. Because it is all a lie. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. a scam, they're they're and we're as we're gonna get into a cult. Um mm-hmm. and and some other things um that I'm really glad that you talked about in your book, um, like the white supremacy angle of it, because that's an aspect that I don't think gets talked about nearly enough. And, um, I think once that that's another aspect of, okay, you see some, some aspect of MLMs are bad, your eyes open a little bit and you're like, okay, but then there's like another level, I think. And that's it. We'll be right back. And now back to the broadcast. MLMs is a cult. Oh yeah. Full on, full on cult. You talk about it at length in your book, Emily, about, Um, these high control groups and these tactics and the bite model. You refer a lot to the bite model. Can you talk a little bit about the bite model and why it applies, you know, generally to, to this, these situations?
2: Yeah. So Stephen Hassan, who's a cult expert, studied cults, was in a cult. Like he came up with this bite model, which is, it's all about course of control. So B the B is for behavioral, I is information, T is thought and E is emotional. And so there and there's all different levels. You know, there's like a checklist for each one of these letters. And when I went through, when I looked up the bite model and I went through the checklists, I mean, I was astounded by how many I, I assumed it'd be a couple like, oh, yeah, sometimes they make us wear like the same clothes, and sometimes, you know, they give us scripts. Okay. But it was like the number of things that I did not even realize were being done um,
0: was controlling your behavior in yes. a coercive manner. Control so was a checklist. Yep.
2: Yeah. Controlling your behavior in so many ways, you know, the people around you, um the, the the information that you get, like even the pamphlets that you get with the products, the pamphlets you get for training, the information you get only from the company and they don't want you to look at information outside of the company because they say it's biased and whatever. And you know, they they tell you about these studies but they don't ever like give you the studies. Um, so there's that information control and then, uh, yeah, the thought control, which is that toxic positivity, right? The, the don't, don't listen to the haters. Don't, um, don't read this. Uh, you know, if you believe good things, good things will come. Uh, that was really, that, that was really drilled in. It's like, here's what you need to think about the manifestation. Everything. Yeah. Gotta
1: manifest.
2: Yep. Yeah, and all these platitudes, like, uh, you know, just like here's Jeff Bezos at his table when he was, uh, you know, building Amazon, and here he is now. This is what happens when you just believe. It's like, bitch, no, he had money. Believe, he, oh, so there's believe. Like, he didn't just sit at a desk and believe. That's not, I believe crumble cookies will turn up at my door. Right. I believe. Yeah, if, you, if you believe, it will happen. And, and when belief is strong enough, logic goes out the window. Um, and then emotional, that's a really huge one. And this, I think the emotional control is what keeps people from leaving. Because even when you are like, okay, I changed my behavior. Cause that's where I started. I'm like, I'm not going to recruit anymore. I'm not going to tell anybody about the products anymore. My behavior is going to change. Okay. Well then, you know, the information I get, okay, well, I'm not going to read this stuff from the company. I'm going to go out externally. Okay. Now I have this information, holy shit. And then my thoughts change. And then emotional control. The emotional control was the hardest one to leave because your friends are the ones who get you roped in. Your family and friends are, you know, 99% of the time, the front line getting you in the door. It's rarely like a stranger. And even if it is a stranger, they become your friend. So your friend is the one you know, you like, you trust, you get in this scheme. And then everyone in pro- proximity to you, all the other people who are like your little litter mates, like your these are your friends. And then you wrote more friends in more friends and family. And so you are stuck in this like guilt, shame. I roped all these people. in. I know all of this now I've wasted all this money. I've wasted all of this time. And staying in that is almost easier than admitting to everybody that you were an idiot and got scammed or roped in and roped other people in. And so I think the emotional control, it's like, it goes, you, you, your behavior changes, your information changes, your thoughts change. And the emotion just, that's the hardest part.
1: Well, you watch other people leave, right? When somebody leaves, they get skewered, they get blocked, skewered. Mm -hmm. Everyone in tells, says how awful they are and what major Thing happened that made them leave and they're not like everybody else and don't look at what they're you know don't look at them don't look over there stay focused don't focus on the the neck they're just negative you know they're haters they're haters they're haters. yeah and it's what in scientology they call them suppressives or whatever it's the same thing it's you know same. they're the haters block mm-hmm. them real quick do you no association you stay in the middle of the pack just stay here keep doing you know keep doing everything that I do and you will be successful and you see other people get ostracized and you're like, Oh crap. Like, yeah. You know, I think for someone like me, I, on <clears throat> I just disappeared from it. Yeah. I was making a ton of money and I literally just de- disappeared and no one called me or what, like my upline, I think was kind of just fizzling off at the same time too. Um, so I didn't really have any, any emotional ties like that, but, um, Culty. Okay, so if you know me. If you've ever been to an AA meeting with me, you know how I feel about religion and the word God. Uh-huh. The first You're Zoom, not a fan. I, um, <laughs> the first Zoom I ever went to, my upline, it was a husband and wife. And when I talk about, if you see the word trad wife, her picture appears. Blonde, okay, hot. Yep, fairy dress. The scripture of the day. So they started the meeting with reading a scripture. My head almost swiveled off my yep. neck. I was like, where the fuck am I? Crazy. Yeah. But I kind of just wrote it off. I was like, whatever. I'm going to make a lot of money. I don't, whatever. These people are whack and I can tolerate it. Yep. I, I know. Shut. I kept my fucking mouth shut. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, and
2: I th- I was like, hey, I'm accepting of other people, but you know, exactly. I, I've always been the person and I'm this way in recovery. I'm this way in life. Like if you worship rainbows or care bears, like I don't give a shit. Like if it makes your life happier, you're not harming anybody. You're not pushing your beliefs on me. You do whatever you want. However you recover, whatever groups you go to don't care. percent, hundred percent.
0: However, but that's
1: the thing. They were pushing <laughs> beliefs on us. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I kept my fucking mouth shut. Yeah. Well, yes, you know, insane. I
0: think th- I mean the 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 religious component. You know, you, Amy, you 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 jokingly mentioned Utah that you're not in li- living in Utah earlier, but there's a reason why that's a f- funny in the in this world is because of all of the MLMs that are there and the the the, the religious basis and white supremacist basis of where so much of this sprang from the history mm-hmm. of that. And I don't know if you guys want to talk about that or yeah. or well, what. Yeah, want I mean, want they to go next? all all
2: mlm stem from you know these the, the guys who started amway basically you know they were these really devout calvinists like really really devout evangelical you know it was it was 100% religious based and because amway they've like skirted so many laws and there's been so many lawsuits and stuff that they they've modeled their business um in a, in, quotes, in a way because it's not
0: really a business yeah i
2: know right? right they're they're cults they're whatever um they've modeled it in a way that it's legal enough to stay in operation
0: the amy rule
2: in yeah, fact, the amy rule and so legally every, called the Mway rule it is so every other company has modeled themselves off of that and so extrapolating that it's like then every single company is based on this very religious model and you know obviously salt lake city is like the mecca of all of these MLMs because of, first of all, the tax laws in Utah. And because people are already in these really like small exploitative communities, you know, they're already kind of being told what to think, believe, and feel. And so if they're like, oh, well, you're at home with your like 12 kids here. And I'm not like trying to stereotype every Mormon, but this is why there is such a huge Mormon component because they're like, hey, you know what? You're not supposed to work outside of the house or whatever, but here you can do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, this will be all about the, you know, g- this is a gift to your family. And, blah, and so it just-
0: the, And the all, the, all the all the religious language that, that goes- And then you to, bless
1: other people.
0: You bless the, the whole thing too.
1: And, and it falls under- you know, in Mormonism, a big part of culturally is keeping a diary and recording things and sharing things, right? So sharing your life with others. And I think it started with sharing the gospel. And then it's just like this is how we live. So that's why you see so many female influencers are more Mormon. If you dig deep, you will find oh, yeah. that a huge number of influencers, whether they're MLM or not, are Mormon women because it is a big part of their religion and they are being told by their elders to share. Um, and so why wouldn't you, if you're a woman who's home with their kids and you're told that you should not work outside of the home, but they also like really nice things. They love those Chanel bags and you know, they love their fancy cars and whatever. You got to look a good great, at a Tuesday you gotta look good. or
0: the, uh, the, the wedding shower craft fair palooza. And like, it is
1: really do, right? an aspirational <laughs> life. If you're looking from the inside, from the outside in, oh, it yeah. is very aesthetic and it is a very aspirational life. And I think that's why a lot of it stems from that community. And then you get someone like me or someone like Emily, who's not from that world and we're totally got whiplash like all of a sudden we're from the outside looking in, we're like, Oh, that's the oh, those women are really pretty. They look like they've are making a lot of money. I look, I think I could do that. And then you're like, what the fuck have I got myself into here? And then by joining, we endorse it.
0: My me is the consumer, particularly when I was drinking, I'd be like, oh, these women have their shit together. Look, they're beautiful. They're pretty. Look at her. She she can pull off that glasses shape. And I've never seen a woman pull that off. And she looks fantastic. Like maybe I can, too. Look, she's convinced me that I can pull off those sunglasses or that whatever or that I need these rings that come from whatever, you know, whatever it is. Like, I'm the one out there believing in it and falling for it falling for that that influence I'm like the perfect subject for it when I was drinking because I was able to suspend my other like reality as it were because I was trying to escape reality right in in this reality where I was drinking I can pull off that dress and I can pull off those shoes and I can pull off that twist that dress around and make it into a louse or something, whatever they were doing with like, <laughs> shit, Like, I can pull that off. I believe I'm a person who can do those things when I'm watching those things. And so yeah. these things that they tell you to tell you the customers, it works. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm an example of that. Well,
2: whatever your lifestyle is, whatever that aspiration is, that's why there is so much lifestyle marketing because it's like, well, gosh, I really want to go on a trip. Bing, like in someone's stories, all of a sudden they're on a trip. Yay. Oh, I really want like an expensive bag. Bing. All of a sudden you see some boss babe with their expensive bag. Like they hit every single possible pain point. Oh, I want money. I want this, that no matter what that is, like it's it's enough to catch your eye. Even like the
0: most skeptical person.
1: So let's talk about the trips and the bags and all the things. And yes, an MLM. and you
0: <laughs> mentioned conventions, um, plural. And I so want. So talk want about
1: just, all the in quotes free stuff that invited you invited to be, in but you had yeah. to pay
0: your way there. Let mm-hmm. yeah, let's go there. It's all such
2: a ruse. It is such a ruse, and and the the free car is the best example because this is like the rolling trophy that. Almost every MLM has a car program and it sounds really great. It's like, oh, you get to this title, you get a free car and it's complete bullshit. So you get to this title, which
0: by the way, you described this really, really well in your book, like your chapter on this, it was like, I had never had it broken down this way for me before. And I think it's a really great example. Like you said, to use, to show the whole, the whole thing. So yeah. 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 Go ahead. So you get to this title and the way you get to the title, by the way, is by recruiting
2: people and by shilling the company's stuff. And you cannot get to any car program in any MLM without recruiting, without heavy recruiting and without those recruits also recruiting people. Right. So this particular title in my company, you had to get to a certain level, which meant people beneath you had to recruit as well. And so uh, automatically it's like that you're the target market. And when you're close enough, when you're like, gosh, I'm almost at car level, you're desperate. You're like, I'm going to get a car. I'm going to get a car. And so you'll, you know, you'll start signing up relatives and, you know, Guinea pigs,
0: whatever. And your cats and your dogs. And, yeah. And...
2: Cats and dogs and children. And so you get to this title, yay. I'm at car volume, whatever this title is. And then the company's like, okay, cool. You have to maintain this title for whatever amount of months for my company it was three. Okay, so you get there, you hustle, you're spending all this money, you're doing all this work and you're working hours and hours and hours busting your ass. Cool, I maintain it for three months. Yay, now what? Well, now go to the dealership and get your car, but it has to be white. It has to be this particular brand, which is always a luxury, you know, Lexus, Mercedes, Cadillac, right? Well, those are very expensive cars. It has to be new. Um, You know, you're talking $100,000 car, like off the lot.
0: Like they're telling you go pick out this car and you're like, yeah, okay. I'm going to go get this, you know, hundred thousand dollar Mercedes. Great. Except ding, ding, ding.
2: Yes. So go down and, and go ahead and lease it or buy it. So you are just buying a car. You are leasing the car or buying the car yourself. They are not giving you money to do that. And so if you've ever bought a car or leased a car, you have to, there's a down payment, there's licensing, there's registration, you know, and then you've got payments, right? So on a $100,000 car, your payments pretty high. It's over $1,000 a month, right? And then the company is so generous. The car program is, they give you money in your paycheck every month, as long as you maintain that title. So just in my Which personal example. money itself. <laughs> yeah, so I've spent, so you know, whatever the down payment was, it was probably five grand, you know, thousands of dollars in licensing and all this stuff, not to mention, you know, insurance. It doesn't pay for any of that stuff, right? And then my payment was like $1,300 a month on this car. The payment I got from the company was $750. Great. Thank you. Like $750 is great, but it's not a free car. So now I'm out money because I put on this down payment and I'm spending more per month. And guess what? I'm spending more per month because now I got to maintain this stupid title. I'm working harder than ever. So for me, it was like, okay, I make enough money that a few extra hundred dollars a month is fine, I guess. But it really is just to show people like, oh, I got this free car. Well, it's not free. And what ends up happening to most people is they can't maintain because it was so artificially structured that they drop back down. And guess what? Then they're on the hook for the whole $1,300 payment, $1,500 payment, whatever, that most of those leases end up getting returned. But so now here's
0: a stay-at-home mom with this luxury car. With a luxury car that she couldn't
1: afford. Yeah. With a husband who's probably bullshit, right? Yep. Like the manipulation yep. of like, I can just imagine, I never, my company didn't do cars, thank God. Yeah. Um, But my husband says about me, like the train has left the fucking station, right? So like, you've got this company telling you you're getting a free car and you're not reading the fine print. And all of a sudden- you're roping your family, not only yourself, but you've got a whole family and five kids who are now going yeah. into debt because you have a free car. It's the manipulation is insane.
2: And you can't not get the car. Cause that's what people are like, well, do you have to get the car? Well, no, you absolutely don't. But do you know what happens when you, oh, you hit car volume and everyone's shouting you out on social media and your uplines are like, you're almost at your car. You've almost earned your car and you don't go get the car. Like, what does that say to other people? Like it's, it's embarrassment. You can't not then get it. You're like shamed into going and getting this car that you can't afford.
0: Well, and this is sort of the result of years um, of grooming you too. Like the company grooms you guys as, as these sellers to, or quote unquote, business owners to post, you know, because of Lululemon, because of, Pampered Chef or whatever the I Thrive or whatever all the stupid hashtags are. You've been indoctrinated into this world where when you get to that point, I mean, you've been doing it for so long at that point, they've groomed you into this is what you do. You get these things and you never talk about how it actually isn't free. You say, oh, it's a free car. Or um, if you sign up, you can get these extra free things, but you have to doesn't say that you have to buy the thousand dollar starter package in order to get those quote unquote, free things. But then, you know, you more and more and more. And then, oh, the free uh, conventions and we're going to invite you to speak, but you have to pay for it. No, like. Well, and if you don't, you're not showing up as a leader. It's like,
2: okay, well, you can not get the car, but, you know, then you're just, you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe in your team. And if you don't believe in yourself, your team's not going to believe in themselves. And gosh, they're not going to try and get the car. And then it's like, you go down this whole rabbit hole of, okay, well, I guess I got to spend money to
1: make money. And the manipulation of it all, right? I, they're quote unquote giving you a car so they can hold you hostage. Because once you then get the car, you need that $750 payment to be at least be able to offset half of the car. If you leave the MLM, then you're stuck with a car payment that you can't afford. So it's like the whole culty side of it is they're really, you know, tethering you to them without you even knowing. You've just, it's so insidious and so subliminal that yeah. by the time you're you know neck deep in it you're like how did I even get here well
0: that's that's another interesting thing that I that the manipulation particularly at these higher levels you know Emily your experiences and in, in hey that you talk about you know you attained a status that was a pretty higher level than just you know barbara down the street you know trying to sell her oils or whatever it is um so you were I think you know you you know you went to conventions and you were this leader and you had to speak out on all, all this stuff but as Amy points out the manipulation that was involved in all of those levels I think is exceedingly um insidious it's super super insidious and it gets I think worse the further up you get can you talk a little bit about the manipulation that you experienced in that?
2: Yeah. So if, you know, in the beginning, it's like, well, you need to believe in yourself. And by the time you keep going and you're recruiting people, people are believing in you. And so once you are at that place where it's like, okay, well, if I, you know, if I quit now and I just didn't believe in myself, oh, well, it's just me. Right. But if you quit, at those upper echelons, or you're not still making it or not maintaining or not still showing up, you are letting down all of these people, like all these people you recruited, they're, they're looking to you, you're their example. And that's really manipulative because even if you're, you know, where I was in the place where I was like, kind of seeing the writing on the wall, I'm like, well, I can't bring people in and then not like show them a good time. I can't bring people in and not like spoil them. I can't bring people in and not let them still believe that this is possible, even if I didn't necessarily believe that it was. So again, like I was between a rock and a hard place. Cause it's like, how can I not stick it out with these people? Because again, they're believing in me and they trusted me and I brought them into this. So I think that's, that's a really hard part. And that's the thing I hear most from the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women who are still in MLMs, who are still kind of up there, maybe have a team. Maybe they're not really making much, if any money, but they've brought a lot of people in. They've got a lot of customers, whatever. And they're like, what does this say if I quit? Like, what does this say about me? And what does this say about them? And I'm just, you know, they just feel so emotionally stuck. Even though the whole
0: thing is built on a lie.
2: It's like a house of
0: cards. It's built on this toothpick.
1: Let's talk about, you talk a lot in your book about maintaining the image. And Mm. so for anyone from the outside looking in, right, you see these top leaders, these women who are top leaders in their, um, whatever MLM they're in, right? And they have their Mercedes. They have all the designer bags. They're flying first class to the trips that they quote unquote won. They're in designer clothing. They're walking the stage. Let's talk about the cost of that um not even emotionally let's talk hard cold numbers mm-hmm. because that is mind blowing if you don't know anything about it and you're just seeing it on social media you would believe that these women are first of all i love that they're the in, the millionaires like they've made a million dollars yes oh yeah Yes. yes,
2: so that and that's Bro my sales. favorite thing. is that like, over the profit. Or really, that's yes. that Nope. No. 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 That's my favorite thing is you know I mean articles are always going to be clickbaity, but whenever uh, there's a an outlet that I write an article for, or an essay or whatever, or they do a feature on the book or something, it's like women becomes millionaire and MLM and le-, and it's like that's not a millionaire. So. So that's, that's the first thing. It's like, okay, the million dollar circle, the million dollar earners, I'm a seven figure earner. I'm a, all these terms you hear all of the time. So to be a millionaire in an MLM, you have to earn a million dollars in commissions over the course of however long you've been in there. So by the time I became a million dollar earner, I was in like four years or maybe five, I don't know, four or five years. And so I got, I, I'm now the million dollar earner, but that is over the course of that time, which if you divide it up, okay, that still sounds really good. That's before taxes. That's before all the money you have to spend on the car and all the clothes, the conventions. And so automatically it's just complete smoke and mirrors. At no point did I have a million dollars in the bank. At no point did I have like thousands in the bank because it was all coming in and going out, coming in and going out. And the more I, more successful I got, the more I had to spend. Because again, you're love bombing your entire downline. You're having to pay for these trips. You're having to pay for these conventions. Yes, even the free trips, because they give you like the basic airline, you know, airfare or whatever, which the schedule never works for anybody. You got to switch stuff around. Usually it's like, well, we're going on this trip across this ocean. We might as well make it a couple of days. Got to get childcare. Got, you know, not all the meals are included. A lot of the excursions aren't included. You end up spending a lot more and anything they give you any gifts are tacked onto your earnings as income. So when I got my 1099 at the end of the year, it was like, you know, commissions, however much money gifts, you know, $100,000 or something like, and, and here's the thing is like, okay, a Louis Vuitton luggage suitcases. That's cool. Thanks. I can't like pay my mortgage with that. I can't (laughs) like, so that's, it's showing up as money to the IRS that now I have to pay taxes on, but that wasn't money that I got. So the amount you're taxed on is so much higher, especially anyone who is a 1099 contractor knows your rate of tax is like way higher. Mm-hmm. And if you're making that much in income, again, air quotes, your tax rate is going to be even that much higher. So the amount that you're actually taking home after you're spending all this money is it's like nothing, nothing. And so when people are like, in oh, debt. Yeah, how come, you know, how do you have nothing to show for it? It's like, read the book. Like you will see
0: why it's, every time. Read the book. Yeah, it is, read so, the book. It is such come a on. good, good exploit. Like, because the way you you lay all that out about like pulling the curtain back, right? Like, mm-hmm. like this podcast originally started because we were pulling the curtain back on reality TV, right, world. Yeah. And and, um, now you're doing it, not not just you. I mean, the all of the you know, anti-MLM community is, is trying because you guys are trying to educate the world out there um because it is harmful to people. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. And now
1: back to the broadcast. It makes me a little bit compassionate for the woman, right, who's relatively new in um to, new in MLM but has just won her first trip. And you know that her first trip, one or first whip in quotes. And you know that she is doing it so she can try to feed those kids or because she doesn't have daycare and she needs the extra income. And it makes my heart ache to know. What lies ahead for her, right? Like she's getting the basic airline and she's going to have to, and that's, you know, with four connections and whatever, and she's going to want to switch it so she can get the the direct flight, but the trip's only for 48 hours. But if you're going to leave those five kids, you're going to want to go for more than that. And then you're going to want to bring your husband, whatever. The end of the day, there's so much debt attached to all of this. "Quote unquote status. It's so aspirational, but it's just so toxic. It's really, really toxic.
2: And what's ironic is that it is sold as, oh, it's a tax write-off. Like this is a great way to get another tax write-off. And And the reality is you can't write off these trips. You can't write off these bags, anything, because the company's already written them off. They're mm-hmm. a write-off for the company, not for you. It's income for you. You can't write it off. That's and so a, it's, it's just completely not correct. And of course, nobody's ever told to consult a accountant or a financial expert. Well you're
1: by, told not to, we're right? told not to, it's yeah. like don't well, look, yeah. which just is also very Yeah, <laughs> I know you mentioned
0: that you mentioned it briefly earlier about the that sort of you know the information, the external information, like don't read it, don't read it. Like that's like what David Koresh did, right? Yeah. And I think we can all agree David Koresh was a cult leader, right? or, yeah. or you know. Um, But you, in this, just those last comments you got, you guys, you mentioned the, the company gets the tax write-offs, not you. That goes to the other big myth of you're a business owner. You are not yeah. a business owner, 100% legally not a business owner. You're not a boss babe. I mean, whatever. Um, uh, Can you guys talk about that aspect?
2: Yeah. So every, this is the other funny thing is that Uh, You're always taught to like malign ninety nine to five jobs, right? Like, oh, you're such a sucker working your nine to five job. I'm a boss babe and I have financial freedom and, you know, all those other stupid platitudes. But every MLM is a huge corporation. And not only are you working for a huge corporation, you're not an employee. So you don't actually have any rights. So say what you will about like capitalism and a fair wage. Like uh, there's so much work to be done there, Right. But at least like the person who is working at Starbucks and making the coffees gets a wage, gets tips, probably has some benefits. When you are a ten ninety nine contractor for an MLM, you get nothing, and you are it's one hundred percent unpaid labor until you actually make a transaction. And that's not the case in sales. You are paid a wage, and yeah, you Mm -hmm. may get commissions on top of a sale, but like you aren't just holding out for making the sale or recruiting someone and you know again like it resets every month that so you are 1099 contractor you do not own a business you cannot control the price of anything you can't control what you're selling and you're recruiting other people to sell the exact same thing you're selling in an already saturated market like it's the worst we'll business talk model about the
1: saturation so yeah, that, this is the other thing you hear it over and over and over again join me, join me in business. Who's ready to join me? You know, my kits on sale for $25 tonight only. Also the scarcity mentality. That's such I, bullshit have That's bullshit. I have room yes. for two more people. I have room for two more people. I have two more
2: spots. Oh my God. My upline posted that last week. I have five spots available. It's like,
1: who, who the scarcity. calls for that? Like there the are scarce, unlimited spots. Everyone yeah, does though. Everyone does. Because The scarcity mentality is real. And also the exclusivity, right? Like only available for a certain amount of time. And then it's going out of stock and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, tell me it's rare and I want it. I want right. it more than anything. And I will find it on StockX and whatever. Like I'm insane yeah. like that. And so it really does manipulate women. But um, the saturation, right? Oh, so yeah. this is... So they tell you over and over, you know, you think that, you know, all these people who are in XYZ MLM, but we have just, we're barely tapping, scratching the surface of this market. One of the reasons they're crumbling is they're oversaturated. There's no one left to sell to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, and they're competing with other, you know, I think
2: 10 years ago, cause this was almost 10 years ago when I joined, you know, 2014 Like you could buy stuff online, but it wasn't like it is now. Where I mean, I talk, and like all of a sudden, Instagram brings up. Like this sweater I got on, I spread this like ridiculous sheep sweater. I was like, it's so cute cute though. Right. (laughs) Like stuff. If I'm thinking of it, stuff shows up. I'm like, easy, easy peasy comes right to my house. It wasn't like that in 2014. Mm -hmm. There still were a lot of home parties there. And I think the understanding of MLMs wasn't as good. You could really sell MLMs like LuLaRoe was on, on Facebook. There was all these lives. And so, oh my God, I
0: was up on those. Uh, I would, I would so go enough. to scheduled lives yeah. because they might have the right print
1: of a yeah. Cassie skirt that I wanted or something. Yeah. I am proud to admit that I do. I never... Purchased one Lululemon thing. That's my only claim to fame. It's really <laughs> <word. laughs> But like it was, it was back then. That
2: was kind of if you wanted stuff like that, you either had to go to the store and drive to you know Lululemon. If there was Lululemon around, then I don't even know.
1: No, um, and it's not Lululemon is not the same as Lululemon. No. And to correct you, nobody wanted anything like that. You just got convinced no, you, that got you got wanted. convinced. Yes, to yes it. you got, yes. got
2: convinced. But it that was you there. I'm home and it's easy. So that was, MLMs were the easy solution. Oh, it's my friend I'm gonna see at school. I'll get my skincare from her. That was easy. Well, mm-hmm. now you don't have to buy from someone from an MLM. Like we have so many options. And so I think that now and consumer awareness is the reason that we're seeing MLM start to crumble And this is the the argument I get. It's like, oh, well, how come such and such is a billion dollar brand then or a billion dollar company? It's like they are a billion dollar company because so many people join and fail. It is not because the people who join are doing well. So, I, you know, there will always be people who are joining MLMs because they're selling this hope, this like empty promise. And they will probably stay in operation. I, I think they're, but I do think they're on the decline and it makes me kind of happy. Hopefully. Yeah. So
1: let's talk about this new MLM that Emily and I have been oh my God. over. Yeah. I, I just,
2: <laughs> see, we see this has been
1: before we wrap. This oh, is no, what no, I, I can think. I could talk like, to you guys forever oh, about Oh, it's this getting stuff.
2: better. Yeah, this is what I think. Okay, it's getting better and- It's it, not. It's not. Then I see- Let's say like the and name. Like, I'll say the he, name.
0: Transact. Yeah card. Transact, Transact card. card, you guys. Yeah, this is a scam. This is an MLM, and it's a really icky one too. There's no product, so let's, <laughs> let's just start. They just, they just decided to get rid of the product. These MLMs, there's no product structure is. It doesn't matter what the product is. Yeah. That's kind of the point of them, right? This it's is so like mass,
2: there's a bunch too, like master resell rights, seven figure income solutions. Like there's all these where they're selling they're literally not selling anything. They're selling like a system or it's like pay me $500 and then get other people to pay $500. It's like, that's a fucking pyramid scheme. They're going back to the original pyramid schemes where
0: it was like envelopes. That's like Nexia. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're selling Um, a dream. That's right. So, selling. so Transact card is this new one that just decided, well, since the product doesn't matter anyway, we're not going to have a product. Let's, let's talk about what Transact card is. And and there's, this is like really kind of insidious so, and, and out there. So I think it's important to give it some face time. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So I only know of it because I've had a couple of people from my former MLM try to tell me about how it's not a scam. And you know how something's a scam when someone, their first explanation is why it's not a scam. Like say no more. That's all I need to know. And what, I, what I've what i gathered is that it's a debit card that you use. And you know, here, here's what it's based on. It's based on the fact that I have a credit card. If I use it, I get points. I get to use for shit, right? I get miles for airlines, whatever. That premise is not new. But what this is It's a card that links up to your bank account and you use this card and you get these points, which are Z bucks, okay? So you're you're buying just like normal. Then you get these Z bucks, they're your points that you get to spend in the Z store. Okay, that sounds like fine to me, honestly, until you look and you see that the stuff in the Z store is not marked down and it's nothing anybody wants. And there's actually, nobody actually has a card yet. And all of these people, all of a sudden are like vice presidents and, you know, like they're of, of nothing. So people are paying money in and, and none of them have anything yet. And that's as far as I go, but Amy knows more than I do.
1: Okay. So I know a little more about it. So you pay $500 to become a digital branch officer or DBO. So basically oh, so you're bankers in, now. We're, we're bankers. bankers. We're absolutely bankers. We own our own bank um, and you can become a digital branch off, branch officer and you can recruit three people under you and then get promoted to oh and then w- once you recruit three people under you then you get your five hundred dollars back so i mean there's total you know, you're winning right so th- hey, all right you, you get um free free money free so the worst part of this whole thing is their whole shtick is that, yes, Emily has credit cards where she can earn points because Emily has credit. So Emily is in a position of advantage where she has enough money that she can have a credit card. There are a lot of people out there that don't don't qualify to have, they have horrible credit and they can't get a credit card. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And um, there's no way for them to have one of these cards that's giving him travel points no.
0: to fly. Right. To so this
1: is for them. So like if you are living paycheck to paycheck and you can't feed your children and you can't even really put gas in your car, you're our target audience. Then
2: by all means, give us $500. By,
1: give us Your money get no. It's only twenty five dollars for the year. What's in it for me after I
0: give you my five hundred dollars and the ability to recruit people under me?
1: Allegedly, you can recruit people under you. And what do I get? There's six different streams of income, Katrina. Six Six different streams. Wow. So you make money on recruits. You make money on their recruits. But then also, do I get part of their five hundred dollars? I guess. And then if you you can convince people (laughs) to pay. $25 $25 to get the actual card oh, to so start the card earning z you can make money on every swipe. The issue is there's no card. So they don't even have a partnership with a bank. They had announced in mid-December that they had partnered with Bangor, the Bank of Bangor or something, whatever the name of it, a bank in Maine. Okay. Someone dug into it a little bit and the bank made a statement and said, we are- In no way, shape, or form, affiliated with Transact (laughs) Card. Um, So that was a problem. And then they had an all hands on deck Zoom meeting that said basically, like, do not call the bank. We're good. We have a bank, but please don't call them. We'll let you know when we're ready to tell you what, you know, it's on a need to know basis. But in the meantime, everyone's paying $500. Everyone's paying $500. You're paying $500, Katrina, for the. For, the, for the right to get a portion of somebody's swipe eventually who's under me. But where Correct. is
2: the money coming from, from the swipes? Like you, you buy something there's, at 7-Eleven and it's $5. Yeah.
1: There's no it's more the money. It's the transaction fee. So it's the transaction fee. This is what I've been told. So it's the transaction fee. So every time you swipe your card. You're paying more. You're paying a transaction Your fee. bank is paying, or the vendor, the, the vendor swiping is usually... card is pay- paying a transaction fee. With the transact card, as a digital bank bank officer, you are making money on every swipe because it's something to do with the transaction fee. It sounds
0: like a crypto fraud scheme
1: that has... Like, I'm waiting to see this on American Greed. It's So also, they had said that they were partnered with Visa, I believe. And Visa Mm. was like, yeah, hell no. (laughs) We're not any part of that. So there's no cards. So furthermore you earn these Z bucks and you can log into the Z store, which is you're earning Shroot bucks is what you're earning. They are worth absolutely nothing. You log in and basically Roberta Blevins did kind of a deep dive. She's Mm -hmm. like, it's like the shit that fell off the Macy's, you know, (laughs) the Macy's truck three years ago. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I saw
2: one where it was like a, a reward cruise or something. Yes, and you're I like, wow, it's so marked down. But when you go to the web and actually search for that cruise, it's actually marked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not only you have to, you can't buy anything in the C store without also paying money. So you can use a combination uh-huh. of your Z Bucks, but then you also have to pay money for it. You have it. to
0: use your transact card. I bet.
1: Well, there's no cards yet. So uh, no we cards, don't you even know. It's the scammiest of the scammiest. And I, I, told Emily, I check every night on YouTube to see if there's a new YouTube video about this scam because I That's can't, awesome. it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I have a
0: couple so, of more points that I wanted to bring up and just get your guys' thoughts. So since we cover reality TV on this show um, and the particular one that we're most recently out of is Sister Wives. Um, the, the, the wives on there, you know, Mary had a recent episode where she was redesigning her, boathouse or outhouse or whatever the outhouse at her had her at her inn to be uh like brick and mortar thing for her business which is Lularoe. Lularoe, yeah. um so and then some of the other wives all sell the pink drink thing and they also sell it with molly hopkins who is on 90 day fiance so we've got all of these like things and so my my question and my discussion point is reality tv people we know they're just like us they sell they sell mlms just like we do but reality tv people selling this stuff um you know it, it feels like a different level of influence or selling oh, manipulation 100%. yeah
2: yeah i mean it's not reality that's the thing when i mean anybody who's been in reality tv knows it's not reality like it's Hence the, whole, the point it's of really this whole scripted. show right, right. so <laughs> So it's, it's interesting because there are people who will just like follow a reality star and be obsessed with them. They're on TV. And so they're obsessed with them. And so they will just buy anything they're selling or join anything they're selling. And I talked about this a little bit in the book, with like celebrity culture and celebrities who join MLM immediately do really well. Mm -hmm. And then that endorses the MLM because it's like, look, anyone can do this. Well, no, they're already a celebrity. They already have all of these people following them, just dying to like pay money to spend time with them and, oh, I get to say I'm on their team. So, so it is- I get to a, go to Cancun with them? Right. So it's an advantage and yet it's, it's doomed to fail because then all of those people who are joining aren't going to have the same, like, you know, they, they have all this legwork because they don't have the same kind of following. They don't have the same kind of money and it's going to fizzle out somewhere. So that, you know, what usually happens with these celebrities and these, you know, real reality TV people is like, They join, they have a really fast start. They like hit the top really quick. And then they're eventually going to run out of people too. And if, unless they're like an A-list, B-list celebrity, like these reality, like D-list celebrities kind of like people have too short of attention spans to give a shit of what they're doing. So if they're not doing something else, they're going to fizzle out like anybody else. That's like why, like you don't see Mary and these other sister wives, people like actually doing really well because- They don't have the they don't have enough people like they get saturated too
0: yeah Amy as a, as a as a fellow reality TV connoisseur um and influencer in your own right your thoughts
1: yeah I think unless they can continue every six months or so to recruit another famous influencer that's the only way it's sustainable for them because yeah so say they have a million followers however many are going to join and buy, just like I did to the influencer that I bought from. um, A small percentage of those people are going to then try to do the business, right? They're just going to be customers and they're not going to buy into when the upline tries to get their hooks into them. And it's a burnout. It's just a burnout model. There's no sustainability. Even if you have a million followers, there's just no way to sustain it.
0: I think it's important to, yeah, to remember that reality TV stars are just like us, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I speak from a position of having spoken to many um, at wee hours of the morning sometimes um, because of time zones or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, they really are, right? There's nothing special about Tom from the UK that makes him any more trustworthy of selling this mushroom coffee that he tried to do years ago um or or you know Molly may be fantastic at fitting you for bras but you know what does she know about nutrition and this whatever plexus pink drink bullshit banana whatever like remembering that they that, that there's nothing more trustworthy about them and in fact mm-hmm. because of some of the choices i saw them make on the reality tv cho- school or show <laughs> like i don't trust their judgment right <laughs> for, for sure, sure not. That's, maybe that's a point um one thing i i wanted to talk to you about too is you know you you you'd already written a book emily you do sober mom squad and then you wrote this one um, obviously speaking out and sharing your experiences about these in order to help other people is, is, um, if not your intention, it certainly is what has happened, um, with all these. And, uh, you know, both Amy and I are open about our sobriety as well. Same reasons, you know, we want to, you know, get a stigma and stuff. Um, talk a little bit about that. Can, how sharing your experience has helped your own journey, um, has influenced some of that. Um, and I think why it's so important to continue to speak out. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm very much a person who I was a, I was a secret keeper. I was a liar. I was, you know, I was shady as shit. And so (laughs) I knew that didn't work, right? Like I knew keeping secrets didn't work. And so my intention with my first book was really, It wasn't like to be some bestseller or to be, you know, whatever. Like I I had a very small publisher. It was really just having my, my story all in alignment. Like here I am, here's one person. This is the person I am. And like, I knew how helpful stories had been to me that I wanted another story out there. Like that was really the goal accomplished, like done. And once I did that, I think had I not written the first book, I wouldn't have known how powerful it would be to write the second, because at that point, I'm like, well, here's this other thing that I've, that I've been so vocal about. And I wanted to be just as vocal about it now that I had like all of the information. And so I felt like it was really important to put it out there in the same way. And so it was really the same. It's like the living amends, right? Mm -hmm. This is, and you know, it's funny sometimes when the pushback is like, Oh, well, you made money in the MLM and now you're making money off a book. And it's like, okay, if you knew anything about publishing or like how little authors make <laughs> off of a book, like if I wanted to just make money, I would have stayed in the MLM. Like I would have, like, I could have done that probably for a really long time. And so that's just funny to me. It's like, no, it's you know, getting paid to be a writer, like that's a job by the way, but also like having books are information books are a way for people, you know, this is the information I wish I'd had before I joined. And, you know, I c- I do consider it a public service. It's not like the easiest thing to do to talk about things that are really popular, you know, to be the person who's like, I'm going to bitch about booze and pyramid schemes, you know, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not doing it. To <laughs> you should get drunk and buy shit from them. Yeah, right. Yeah, like there are a lot easier ways to make money. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's just funny, but, but yeah, that's, that's really, it's like the, the living amends piece of it. And, you know, it's an, and being open to the fact that like, I know I'm not always right about things, you know, learn just the learning process of like, okay, what else do I need to learn? And I think if more people were willing to do that, (laughs) to say like, what's my part in things? What, um, what could I be wrong about? it i think it would help just our society in general
0: <laughs> 100% amy what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i think um i think it's really important to get the message out and i think there are people who can hear it over and over and over again and they are only hearing what they want to hear yeah. until one day it snaps and they're like oh mm-hmm. and not to say that i had this like big wake-up call for the MLM that I was in, I just kind of hadn't put all the eggs in the basket or anything. I just kind of was like, these people are whack. And Emily and I have talked a lot about it. (laughs) So much came to light with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. So here I am, my little liberal self up in Boston, (laughs) and who has a husband who is working behind the scenes from a scientific perspective on how to stop the spread of the virus. And I've got people in this so-called business that I am that are all of a sudden major Mm anti-vaxxers. QAnon, Trump.
0: Trump QAnon. I
1: mean, these people are, you know, it's very...
0: The conspiracy MLMs, theorists.
1: MLMs and QAnon go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And that the spread of information or the spread, I should say, of misinformation. Correct. That's kind of where I, I was like, what? I can This is insane. I cannot have anything to do with these people. Goodbye. Close yep. the account. I was like this. I'm done. I mean, I had a little, you know, they showed me who they were with the prayers before the Zoom meetings. And then when push came to shove, I was like this is, they are pushing pure propaganda at this point. And I cannot have anything to do with it. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't, there's a lot of shame that goes with it. Cause once I woke up, I was like, Whoa, what was I involved I've with? I've been like, selling this. Like, yeah, yeah, there's so, so much shame and truly <laughs> like, this is the first time I've actually spoken publicly that I was even oh. in an MLM. Like, I don't talk about it. Cause it's really, really shameful. Um, I'm far more open about my sobriety, which is very far more. Yeah. I, you know, woke up on a street curb the other day. That's no
0: problem. You know, handcuffed to a bed. There's so much shame around it.
1: Um, (laughs) and I think, you know, like Emily said, you know, if you see something, say something and you know, you know, here's one of the
0: things that I learned in my sobriety journey as, you know, my son was, 10 when i got sober and all he had known was an alcoholic mom and he was you know obviously old enough to see the difference and the changes and i facetimed him every day from rehab and things like that and um he's been very much a part of my recovery journey um and and part of that is to show him that you can have gone through these things and um survive them and learn from them and be better for it you know i i I consider myself a very grateful alcoholic and um I make that known because I think it's it's really important and it's part of my own sobriety story and I'm part of the reason I'm am so vocal about my own is to help erase that stigma right the the shame and things like that so so Amy you're touching on shame you know um some and and there's a huge shame spiral I think we particularly as women um I can't speak for men just cuz I am not one Um, but you know, we, we have these shame spirals and, um, what helps me in recovery is seeing other women who've been through the same thing that I have, who've been where I've been, um, seeing what they're doing now, you two on are amongst them. Um, I mean, you know, look, you're, you're, you're both just drunks like me, but look what you guys have also done. And that helps, helps me a lot. So, so I think putting this out in the mlm stuff out the same way someone puts out sobriety stuff i think helps that too takes helps take away that shame that stigma like look at how beautiful and successful you are you know each of you in your own right um and you have this in your past in your history like if you can fall for it maybe okay maybe what does that say about me Right. You know, someone that I idolized or whatever, those same drunk nights, you know, buying your your stuff from, if you can come out later and say, hey, I was wrong. That means a lot to, to an audience.
1: Right. I would say, Emily, what would you say? So there's there's a vast audience here who probably doesn't have a lot of overlap, a lot of people with the anti-MLM movement. What would you say to people who are listening to this and thinking for the first time ever, like... Oh, wow. I've never really thought about what, you know, me selling skincare, me selling oils, what, what does that really mean? And what am I really doing? And Oh my gosh, am I in a cult? Like, what would you say to those people? And, and where would they start?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, giving yourself grace is the first place to start that Again, nobody joins a bad thing. Nobody joins a cult, like willingly. You join Mm -hmm. something that you think is good. I believed I was joining something good. I sold that thing to others, believing 100% it was good. So now it's like, okay, now you know, maybe it's not good. So just start doing some digging and start. I always say, start with a financial piece. Start by looking how much you're spending, how much time you're spending, how much money you're spending and how much you're getting after taxes. And that for most people is enough because Mm -hmm. you are never told to look at that. And you are told to ignore it because if you ignore it, then you'll make more money later and all this stuff and spend money to make money. So look at that. And that can help clear a lot of the cognitive dissonance of like, hey, this is just a bad fucking financial decision. Like just start, bar none, that's it. Without going into the emotional stuff. And it's gonna be different if you've been in for a while. And again, you've got that emotional control. All your friends are in it just start thinking like have there been people in my life who've tried to talk me out of this and have i written them off you know maybe start to just slowly rekindle those conversations maybe you know step back from all the zoom calls and all the stuff you're doing that maybe you feel like a weird inclination about um like ask yourself if you feel comfortable doing everything you're doing you know just just get really curious about what this is really doing for you and like why you joined in the first place. And it doesn't mean you have to do something right now. Um, And then I would say also just for consumers in general, if you're a person and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I would never join, but gosh, I do buy my favorite collagen pudding from whoever, there is nothing that you buy from an MLM that you cannot buy commercially, commercially anywhere Because there's only so many things commercially available to be sold in the United States and they'll say they're proprietary, they'll say they have different ingredients. It's total bullshit. Find a, find a dupe that is not in an MLM because what you're doing by buying from your friend is keeping them roped in and keeping their Mm uplines making money and enabling
0: them. Yeah. Yep. You're
2: not helping your friends. So that's the other thing you hear is like, but you know, I buy for my friends just to help them just to help, 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 help. It's like, you're not helping your friend. So in the reframe, long run, you're hurting them. Yeah. Reframe yeah. what you think support is. If you want to help your friend, give them a gas gift card or like yeah. bring them a meal or babysit their kid. Like, yeah, don't, Keep them more sucked into their MLM because that $25 thing you're buying them from, you know, their spatula or whatever, they're getting a few cents from their uplines making more, their uplines making more, and it's just keeping them roped into the whole system. And you're
1: overpaying for everything. And so you're running Google, right. <laughs> you're wasting do- your money. That gives me a good,
0: a good segue into the resources question. I was going to say, there are a ton of resources out Mm -hmm. there too. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I love your first point, give yourself grace. And I think that's like the big point that I wanted, I want to make and leave everyone with is that, look, look at us. Like we're a bunch of alcoholics and we're, we've been sober for, you know, a few 24 hours and, um, we can do that and we can overcome sleeping in gutters, waking up in hospitals and diapers and, you know, handcuffed to a to a bed. Um, if we can get through that and and laugh about it and talk about it and stuff now, like you can get through your MLM stuff too. like give yourself grace. Resources, if you need help or anything, I always, always, always go to my MLM, anti MLM guru, Roberta Blevins. I've talked about her before. She's been on the show before. Um, life after MLM.com. she has a uh, podcast as well she was on the documentary lula rich um, and there are uh, amazon pages out there i think she's got them linked about these dupes right? If there's an item, a product you can't live without, there are places like hers and others, other places have them that have all of the dupes that you need. If you can't live without your Scentsy scent blocks, which I think might be my last, were were my last vestige. (laughs) They're probably my first venture into MLMs, but the Scentsy wax blocks that smell goods in my house, like that was my last one. Like if you can't live without that, there are other systems that are cheaper and don't require pain into this, this, um, patriarchal white supremacists uh plenty of
1: candles at target (laughs) plenty of candles candles at target
0: (laughs) dude not even target go to home goods or tj maxx and go to their clearance section you got a bunch for like five bucks the other day at um tj maxx yeah yeah so um Yeah, so much good stuff. I'm going to link all of this stuff below. And before we go, Emily, if you want to just give um, the listeners shout out about where they can find you. Of course, like I said, everything's going to be linked below. But if you want to let them know.
2: Yeah, I'm Emily Lynn Paulson on basically all platforms that I'm rarely on but yes you can find find me there
0: and you can go to her website and you can order her books and um have her read you a bedtime story if you like that as i do on audible um amy where can they find you
1: they can find me at amy russell farber on instagram facebook i'm never on twitter so yeah instagram facebook tiktok TikTok, yeah. I'm more of a consumer, but not a creator. But that that might change. I might I might okay. step my step on my, my tickety talks. <laughs> <laughs> excellent,
0: excellent. Well, um, it was such a pleasure to have both of you ladies here, um, in my living room with me virtually, anyway. Maybe one day it'll be real. Um, when Amy gets all moved into Florida, we can have a venture down a, adventure down there.
1: Fingers a, crossed. A
0: little retreat down in Florida <laughs> at, at Amy's new house, if that all goes through. Um, and uh, that's it. I can't wait to see what you guys have got coming in the future. And thank you guys for tuning in. Bye. Thanks for Good having time. us. Bye.